Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 11 of the Elevate podcast, the podcast that's out to document and elevate the human experience through conscious conversation. I'm your host, Hayden Humphrey, and I'm incredibly excited to be sharing with you my conversation with Mike Sesniak. Mike is the president and head coach at The Results Engine, a high-performance coaching company where he helps his clients boost productivity and performance so they can scale their results faster in life and in business. Prior to founding The Results Engine, Mike started three different businesses while working in corporate America. Through these experiences, Mike came to realize the power of coaching and more specifically high-performance coaching, a modality in which he is now certified. Through his companies and his top-rated podcast, The Results Engine, Mike aims to empower people to think differently and to realize they don't have to fit inside a box that someone else built. In this episode, Mike and I talk about his journey dealing with anxiety and panic attacks, the importance of well-being and taking care of yourself, and Mike shares some of his best tips for helping you to hack your fear and become more productive. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot that you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Well, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, really excited to have you here. I was thinking about how we got connected, and I think it was Heather introduced us, or I'm trying to remember. Melissa. Melissa McSherry. Oh, yes, Melissa. <laughs> I have this really bad, I said this in a previous episode, I have this really bad memory around how I get introduced to people. Like, even yeah. when I'm like homies with people, I'm like, how did, like, who was the person that introduced us? Um, yeah. But, Were you uh, thinking Heather Parody? Yeah, the parody. Yeah, but I think yeah. it's because you know it's all the summit. Each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Each other. Yeah, the summit of greatness. So yeah, but yeah, man, I've been following your stuff. I'm like a huge fan of yours. Um, like really. Thank you, bro. Been doing. Yeah, so I'm like super excited to have you on and um to to talk more about um everything that you're doing and. I shared with folks in the intro a little bit about who you are and some of the stuff that you're up to, but I'd love to just ask you again, like, what are you up to right now in the world? Yeah. Well, dude, first of all, thanks again for having me. I'm excited to jump in. Uh, we we always have awesome conversations when we catch up. So I'm sure this will, will be that. And then some, so, um, yeah, man, I, I live in, I guess what you would call the, the coaching consulting world. I run a company called the results engine, uh, which is a high performance coaching and consulting company. I work with entrepreneurs, agency owners, and sales pros, essentially, help them scale faster, get focused on what makes them money and do more of it without the burnout, the anxiety, the overwhelm, all the stuff that we think comes with like what we would call doing more. Um, but before that, like this company started as a side hustle. I spent five years in corporate America as a software engineer, had a very like linear climb in, in corporate. Every year was either a big promotion or a big pay raise and things were going really, really well in Manhattan. I was working in New York City and uh, working for like a big global luxury e-commerce company and kind of just always used that as a vehicle to fund everything I was really excited about. You know, from a really, I guess from a young age, I kind of knew like I wanted to create something for myself and um, even like, dude, like fifth grade, I was creating duct tape wallets and selling them in middle school. Right. So like that was like the first quote unquote business. Right. Um, 
but I always just wanted to create. And, uh, you know, I think from the beginning of my tenure in corporate America, I knew that I wanted to build something for myself. And engineering is one of those professions where I guess it's like, it's as close to like F you money as you're going to get outside of having your own business or being in like commission sales or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I was very fortunate to make a bunch of money when I was fairly young and use that to invest in myself, hire the coaches, join the masterminds, go to the events, go on the trips, et cetera, and get the experience and really served me. Um, but you know, early on in my corporate journey, like while everything was going really well on the outside, as you, I'm sure most people know, like behind closed doors, it's not the same. And for me, like I was completely broken and, um, I'll never forget January 1st, 2013, I always like mix the years up because I'm like, man, I just don't really want to remember it, but I'll never forget the experience. Like that was the day that I experienced my first full blown panic attack. And, uh, we could dive into whatever of that is valuable for your audience, but that set me on a spiral, man, of, uh, spiral is not the right term. It set me on a rabbit hole of, you know, for a year I was going to the doctors, getting the chest x-ray, doing the breathing test. I thought it was like a physical problem. Like I thought my lungs didn't work because I didn't know what anxiety was. I had never had a panic attack before. I didn't know anyone that had ever gone through it. Back then it wasn't cool to talk about mental health on social media. Mm. And I didn't realize that social media was a highlight reel. So all of that paired with a high achiever with massive goals and massive expectations is just a recipe for disaster. And it took me about a year to figure out and get a little bit of clarity on what was going on. But by then, reverse engineer what was going on, kind of figured out, hey, I felt guilty for not working. Every one of my attacks happened in one of those moments. Mm. How can I fix that? Well, maybe if I show up more powerfully when I was working and then also pair it with like a healthier mindset around everything, that I might not experience what I went through. And long story short, and this is a very long-winded answer, but that opened the door to productivity, which kind of opened me up into this world of high performance. And that's just a fraction of kind of what we're doing now with our clients, but uh, it's what got me there. So fast forward many years and, and here we are. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for sharing that, man. And I totally resonate with the piece around high anxiety and the overachieving piece of that. It's uh, one of the things that I was really excited actually to talk with you about. Um, Cause I know for, you know, for myself, I think about the time that I spent in corporate and even my college years and thinking about how much anxiety I had all the time. And it wasn't until I got to a place where like I, I wasn't constantly distracted that I actually had an opportunity to take a look at like, Hey, what's happening here? Do I want this anxiety to be here? Do I want to be experiencing this on a day-to-day basis? And because I don't like, what do I actually need to take on to change it? But Mm -hmm. what I found is that it was really difficult because it almost became part of my identity. Like Mm -hmm. the achieving and the focus on the results and the hustle was like part of how I identified or part of like, almost what I thought made people like me or admire me or want to be near me. Um, And so I'm curious for you, you obviously there was a a physical piece to that, like having panic attacks as a result of that. But like, was it, was it scary? Was it difficult? Like actually starting to shift your identity or, you know, how you related to achieving and the results that you were producing? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I really shifted it a whole lot. Like for me, 
I definitely resonate. Like my identity was very much like achiever accomplishment. Like that was what I was striving for. And dude, even to this day, like I kind of, I don't know if struggle is the right word. Like I'm working through a lot of that. Like recently it's become very aware how much of my self-worth has been coupled with that achievement, Mm. which is obviously not healthy. And uh, I think that's like kind of an ongoing thing that I'm working on. But then it was, it was kind of a moment where I I was able to take a step back and be like, dude, you got to give yourself some credit. Like I get it. There's nothing wrong with these crazy high goals and extraordinarily high expectations for ourselves, but we need to make sure we're checking in with what we're actually creating. Mm. Because like, dude, I, I would just feel guilty whenever I wasn't working like 37 hours a day. I felt like I wasn't being productive enough, mm. which by the way, I had zero clue what productivity actually meant right. back then. You know, I thought it was like doing things, checking them off of a to-do list, like getting stuff done. And I had zero idea that doing things doesn't matter if the things you're doing don't matter. Mm. Right. So, you know, I had to work through a lot of that stuff. And and I also just had to really check in with the fact that like, man, like it might not be 37 hours a day, but like I'm, I'm doing pretty damn good and I'm doing more than most. And Mm like always strive for more, but that's where that healthy mindset that I was talking about kind of comes into play. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't even know that I really had a strategy for that other than just like, man, this, this ain't working. Let's, (laughs) let's figure something else out. Yeah. Well, I hear and it's moving towards the thing that feels good in a sense, like from a compassionate, like self-love perspective, like Hey, you know, giving yourself the credit, giving yourself the acknowledgement for, you know, the work that you are already doing. Um, and I've definitely found the same exact thing to be true. There's like, how do I still generate the results that I want to generate and, you know, be productive in work, but not have it come at the cost of my own health and well-being. Um, and I'd be curious for you, you know, the thing that you mentioned was kind of realizing how much your self-worth was coupled with the things that you were doing. Mm -hmm. And, I'd be curious, like, as you start to uncouple those pieces, like what's taking its place or where do you now derive your sense of self-worth or identity from? Mm. So what I've been really trying to focus on as of late is taking away the self-worth from the outcome and focusing on the input. Mm. So at the end of the day, the majority of things in life, like we can't control the outcome at all moments, but we can always control what we're doing, our actions, like our self-talk. A lot of these things are in our control. So I was coming from a world where like I was walking away from this healthy six-figure salary in corporate America, living in like mid in, in the Upper East Side of Manhattan in this luxury apartment to just like walking away to bet on myself for a business that by the way, I ripped to the floor and was starting from scratch before I left. Like not good timing. Don't suggest anybody does that. That was the world I was living in. So you can imagine like without real, at the time I didn't realize it again, this is a, a more recent realization that I'm realizing how tightly they've been coupled. But like you can imagine the turmoil that was going on. Totally. Unconsciously. So for me, it's been, cool, let's stack wins, recognize the work that we are doing and try and replace it with that as opposed to just the dollar signs, 
just the client acquisition, just the revenue targets, like all these sorts of things. Mm, yeah. The, um, I mean, it, you know, again, just goes back to this thing that I'm hearing around just giving yourself the credit for what you're, what you can control yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the things that you are, um, doing outside of the results, which are somewhat controllable, but mostly not controllable. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, when you're talking earlier about anxiety, I was thinking about like my own relationship with my anxiety and where it came from and where it comes from. And I think the thing that I realized this is actually very recently was, you know, I had this experience in high school where I went out for the swim team and ended up doing really well and you know made it to States, which was something that a lot like my school hadn't done in quite a while. And what I realized afterwards was I then started to couple like, Oh, if I work really hard and achieve something, um, then it means that I'll have attention. I'll get attention. I'll have people, you know, want to be in relationship with me. I'll have connection. I'll feel like I belong somewhere. And so I feel like I started to double down on that in college. It was the same thing. I was like, you know, I got to do this. I got to achieve. I got to create whatever it is. And at the same time, it was creating so much internal anxiety because as much as I wanted to be seen or be acknowledged for who I was, um, I, the facade that I was putting up was distancing people from that or like having me be guarded from, you know, real intimacy your real relationships with people. Um, so I, I, you know, I, this might be a much longer conversation, but I'd just be curious for you, like the sense of anxiety that you had around achieving results and um, just generally with the stuff that you're up to, like, I'd be curious where that came from for you or where that started from. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I don't know that I've ever dove into it that deeply from mm. that perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was always like, I had these, I remember when I turned 27, it was the first, it, it was like a pivotal point for me. It was the first time I ever made like a five figure investment in myself and my business. I was still in corporate and that investment, although it was the scariest thing I'd done at the time, it actually yeah. led to the moment where I decided to leave corporate. So it's interesting how life works for you when you pay attention. But yeah. um, I remember at that point, I was in a weird like funk because again, it was achievement related. It's like I had these goals for 25 that I was nowhere near by 27. Mm. And I mean, that was, I don't know, probably three or four years after the first panic attack. So it, it all kind of like stemmed around this achievement, this like, like dude, a lot of them would step would come from, Literally, like I was 23 years old living in Manhattan. I'd be on my couch because it was like a friend's birthday on Friday night, the night before. You have a couple drinks and you don't feel so great on Saturday. And I would feel guilty that I wasn't putting like a 12 hour workday in. And I'm like, bro, you're 22, 23 years old. Like you're allowed to have fun once in a while. Yeah. I would have to like convince myself of that. So, mm -hmm. Um, it was all stemmed from these results that I wanted so badly, but were so far out of reach. And I felt like if I wasn't working every hour of the day, I didn't want it bad enough, mm -hmm. right? All this like toxic grind, hustle, grind mentality that was all over social. Um, which by the way, I was totally that dude, like <laughs> I'm working harder than you type of thing. Um, yeah. which like is fun. Like that serves me in a, mm -hmm. some capacity, just not all the time. And it was, it was like at the forefront back then. Yeah. It's, um, 
totally hear that. I, mean, I think it's it's been uncoupling the results creation from the process or the anxiety and realizing like, oh, wow, you know, it doesn't have to come at the cost of um, what it's been coming at the cost of, but it's also taken the investment, it's taken the coaching, it's taken the therapy, it's taken the internal work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it sounds like for you, that's been a priority in terms of investment, in terms of like what you're, how you're looking to get supported. Um, yeah. And like, it sounds like you've worked with some really awesome people or at least like a very wide range of like services, so to speak, or coaches. Um, I'd be curious for you, like what's been the most supportive in terms of your own healing and dealing with the anxiety that you've had? Honestly, I feel like I dealt with it all before I started investing in myself. Mm. And and obviously that's not like, I don't, I'm not trying to make a blanket statement and feel like I got healed or I cured myself. I don't think you ever like abstract yourself completely from it. And I definitely experience it from time to time. Um, but with that said, like I haven't, I haven't endured like a full blown panic attack in probably four or five years. Mm -hmm. So that all stemmed way before I started investing in myself heavily. So from an ROI perspective or a support perspective, strictly for anxiety, uh, that's tough for me to quantify because like it hasn't been that drastic, Mm -hmm. but with that said, everything that I've ever invested in has always grown a different piece of me. And while I didn't always get the financial positive ROI, I would expect out of like that business coach or that life coach or whatever it is, because you always have this expectation of what you're going to get in some sort of ROI. I always at the very least walked away with a different ROI in a positive sense, whether it's like a new relationship or a new understanding of how I operate or whatever. It wasn't always the dollar signs of the clients or whatever, but you know, you're always walking away with something and, um, I don't know, like it's, it just depends, like depends what you're looking for. But at the same time, I think that sometimes we get too caught up on like, Oh, what did it do for your business? Well, like maybe you invested five or $10,000 in that program or that coach or that mastermind and you didn't grow your business to seven figures but you walked away with that one relationship that you would have paid 30 X that for. Mm, And whether that's a business relationship or not, like who knows, but um, I was just very fortunate that I always walked away with something. So kind of like side doored that question for you. But um, (laughs) yeah, I kind of, I wasn't really struggling a ton with anxiety at the point in my life when I started to invest heavily. Yeah. Nice. Um, Well, the thing that I, hearing that is like looking for the gift in every experience, like looking for like, what's the gift from this investment or even if it didn't go the way that I thought that it was going to go. And, you know, it's been interesting. I was just talking with somebody earlier today about this, about like, you know, um, I worked in corporate technology sales for a couple of years. So same deal. Like I, I was making really good money, you know, living in San Francisco was a big deal. And now, you know, moving to Chicago and starting my own business, it's been a totally different experience of life. Like getting off the ground, figuring out how to sell, figuring out how to like actually start and run a business. So it's been interesting because, you know, there's this part around that's like financially, like, um, not in the place where I'd like to be. And like compared to two or three years ago, you know, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. not looking as great, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like my, personal fulfillment and gratitude around my own life and things that I'm up to has never been higher. Like I've never been happier with my self, with my current experience of life, with my relationships with other people. And it's come from the investment in programs and it's come from the investment in coaching, but it's also like, that's a long-term uh, 
strategy. Like it's a lot, it's a lot, I think it, part of it is requires long-term thinking because it's not about the immediate financial ROI. It's how is this going to change how I'm showing up and who I'm being or my core stories and my core belief system so that the trajectory over time puts me on a much higher plane or plateau, so to speak, um, you know, versus looking at exactly, you know, what I get out of it in the short term. Dude, exactly. And like, I think that this is something that really fires me up, to be honest. And it's something that I don't, not that I don't understand the other way of seeing it because I was that person that like, I need result now, but I don't know what it was like, whether it was just people I was fortunate to connect with or resources I connected with, like whatever, I was able to avoid at least a little bit, this instant gratification culture that we're living in. And I just resonate so powerfully with everything that you just said. Like, not everything you're doing right now is going to yield. Like you invest 5k right now. You're not going to get 15 immediately. You might, yeah, but you might not. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm at a point in my life right now where I feel like the masterminds that I'm investing in all these, I'm connecting myself with some badass people, people that have businesses way bigger mm-hmm. than mine. Mm-hmm. And I might not be able to go and implement everything immediately from the people that I'm learning from, but I feel like I'm front loading the investment, the both time, energy, financial stress, anxiety. Like I'm doing all of that now so that when I experience these problems down the line, as I'm trying to scale from seven to eight figures down the line, I'll know the answers faster because I've already connected with people. I've built these relationships. I've learned this stuff now and it is a much longer term thinking, but like you kind of have to think that way. And it's unfortunate. I feel like our society is plagued with this instant gratification because we're addicted to the dopamine hit that we get every single time we open Instagram. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, it's, it's a tough game to be playing because it's going to restrict us from so much potential, like exponential growth in three to five years, just because we're afraid that if we invest that money right now, we're not going to make double of it tomorrow. Mm. It's just a skewed way of thinking in my opinion, but Hey, teach their own. Well, I think the other tragedy in that is it doesn't provide people an opportunity to build self-trust. Like one of the valuable things about, being long-term committed to a goal and seeing it through, which I feel very lucky that I've had a couple of those opportunities is it's taught me that if there's something that I want to create and I'm really, truly committed to that thing, it will happen. I don't know what the time frame will be. I don't know how long it'll take, but I have no doubt in my mind that that thing is going to happen. And so I think a big part of what gets in people's way is this fear of, can I trust myself that I'll be able to utilize this, use this structure, use this investment, use whatever it is in order to create the thing that I want three to five years from now. It's just easier to stay inside of what's safe or what's comfortable than going out on your own and having to be be resilient and creative and get uncomfortable and do things that you've never done before. A hundred percent. I'm reading, uh, I'm reading psycho cybernetics right now. Finally. Oh, cool. Like it's one of like the OG personal development books. Everyone's calling it like the Bible of self-help. I don't, I can't attest to this. I'm three chapters in, but at the same time, like it, it talks about this in this early chapters. Like we are, we're engineered for success, mm. right? Like our, our mind, our subconscious mind will course correct 
as long as it knows the target, it will help us course correct and find the way to go. But it requires that clarity and that commitment to your point of we need to know what we're committing to long-term and then we need to be able to stick the course. And unfortunately, especially in this world of entrepreneurship, like society, society doesn't think that way. Like I very much grew up in the culture of go to school, get good grades, get a good job. And that served me. It served me because it got me into the engineering world, which allowed me to fund everything else. But I was blessed to be meeting a lot of people in the entrepreneurial world that empowered me to think differently, Mm. which is why I applaud you for creating the show. Like, that was why I created my podcast. I'm like, I want to just crowdsource this information that can yeah. empower people to think differently. Not yep. saying, Hey, that structure's broken because yeah. it works for some people, yep. but some people it doesn't. And when you're fighting that battle all the time, dude, it gets really, really difficult because people are saying like, dude, you spent that kind of money on what? Like, what was the ROI? You didn't get it tomorrow. <laughs> Come on. And it's, it's just a really unfortunate system and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. unfortunate situation rather, not system. Yeah. And like, you have to be very, very strong willed to, to fight that off all the time. And um, just creating conversations like this is, is super supportive for people. Yeah. I love that, man. Thanks for those kind words. And it's absolutely a huge part of why I enjoy having these conversations. Like really the whole point of this show is having authentic, vulnerable conversations with really inspiring entrepreneurs, people who are up to really cool stuff. Cause what I've realized is life becomes so much richer and more joyful and more connected and more loving when you're working towards an authentic experience in all senses of the word. Like how do you create a job where you get to show up as yourself 100% of the time. And not only that, but get compensated for it. How do you create relationships where you're not performing, but instead you find people who love you for who you actually are at the core? Same with yourself, your relationship with yourself. How do you shift your relationship with yourself so that you're in integrity with yourself and you know, you're, you're having this authentic um, relationship with self, but it's not something that is common. Uh, and so the joy that I now have is like, how do I spread this message as much as possible? Like, how do I invite people into a conversation around like, Hey, how could it be differently? Cause that's the magic question is like, you know, outside of what's realistic or possible, like how could that thing that you want, how could it be possible? And when you start even just questioning that you then start to realize like, Oh, I could do this or this or this, or here's this other, you know, here's this other. even just asking the question, like then opens a door to you going out and creating that thing. Dude, yeah, again, like power of the power of your questions will dictate like the quality of your life all day. And that's why I felt so blessed to be in the engineering world before this, because dude, like in the engineering world, there's just always a solution. It just wired me to think like, okay, well, there's like the Marie Forleo quote. I love everything's figure outable. Mm. And engineering is exactly that. It's like, cool, well, it doesn't work exactly how you want. Cool. What's the next best workaround? And then we just find the most ideal solution. And I feel like most people, unfortunately, uh, think in terms of, oh, that's not possible. I can't remember where it was, but I was at some event where someone was explaining impossible. They're like, you got in a metal box to fly across the country to be in this room. And like, you're building your business isn't possible. It's all perspective, right? It's like... Right. It's always, there's a cliche, like it just hasn't been done yet, but it's freaking true. Mm. Like the Wright brothers, my favorite entrepreneurial story of all time, they were bike mechanics. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. What's your excuse? Yeah. <laughs> dude, dude, that um, story's so crazy too. Like 
not to go on a huge tangent, but there was like another big company that had massive funding behind it that was trying to solve the same problem as mm-hmm. the Wright brothers. Mm-hmm. It speaks to your like commitment to this really longer term mm-hmm. vision that you want to create. There's no reason that they shouldn't have been, should have been the first people to figure out this whole flying thing. Yeah. Right. But they were. Well, it's almost so. like when you put yourself in a position where you have to be scrappy and resourceful, mm-hmm. yeah. it, like then you don't have any excuse. You're like, we have to figure this out. Like we can't just rely on throwing a bunch yeah. of money at it. Um, yeah. which is, uh, which is great. The, so I love this piece around, uh, you know, the practices that you take on or the mindsets, like the mindset, um, patterns that you've developed over time that mm-hmm. lead you to being more productive and successful. And one of the things that I know to be true as well is all of us have a flavor of like self-sabotage or how we get in our own way or how we make it harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be curious for you, like what, like, what are the ways that you get in your own way or that you've historically made it harder than it needs to be? And like, how have you shifted out of those things? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I'm going to try and go like currently, because obviously like we're evolving every single, every single day. Um, So for me, I think nowadays we live almost in like people call it the information age, but really that's the age of distraction. Like it's people's jobs are quite literally to make the app most addictive so that through like color schemes and like structures of the images, just to make sure that they steal your eyeballs quite literally. So I think we all have, especially living in like the productivity world, like we all have different time sucks of choice. And um, a big thing for me is, been figuring out how do I, I like to call it starve those distractions. Mm. So, uh, there's the end of the day, like what creating whatever it is that we want to create will require intense focus and intense commitment. And if we can't make sure that we're optimizing that time, then we're going to fall victim to whoever steals that time from us. Right. And for me, that time suck of choice has always been YouTube. And luckily a lot of what I like to consume on YouTube is fairly educational. So I can somehow Uh, rationalize it, which is also (laughs) very dangerous. Um, but just finding different strategies. Like I just found out, so I love the Facebook newsfeed eradicator. That's super, super cool. Hmm. I just found out they have one for YouTube. Uh, like one of my partners in one of my businesses uh, showed me that it was super, super cool. So figuring out little strategies like that, where I can make sure that like I'm taking control of my time and consciously doing it Yeah. because otherwise, especially in this world that we live in, man, like we have to be creating content so that we're, you know, serving our audience and building our brand. But the line between creation and consumption gets so blurred so easily because we'll log on to Instagram to post. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves later. Yeah. Hopefully not. Like hopefully it's only 15, but who the heck knows. Right. And um, yeah, it just gets dangerous. So that's been something that's been a constant journey that I've been working through. And honestly, something that like the large majority of my clients are like, we got to figure this out too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's just been finding different strategies, whether that's like a tool on the internet or just implementing a new level of time blocking or something like that to make sure that I'm optimizing my day because it comes back like, like I'm sure you do as well. Like I have crazy high goals and I know that I can't have subpar work ethic and subpar time management if Mm -hmm. I want to create these massive goals. Totally. That's been it for me. Um, 
I love that. The piece that I hear too, because I've definitely struggled with the same exact thing. And it was really interesting, you know, towards the end of last year, I was reading and I'm going to butcher his last name because I always do that. Eckert, is it Toll or Tolly? You know, uh, I've heard it both Eckert ways. Toll, okay. What, whatever his name is. He wrote uh, a second book um, called The New Earth. I don't know if you've okay. read it. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's basically the power of now, but on a global scale. So he talks a lot about presence and the power of presence and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know what it was about the particular mind space that I was in at the time, but it just hit me. So it was, it just went thud when I thought about how much time I spend anxious about what hasn't happened yet mm-hmm. or ruminating on what has already happened and how much that contributes to my sense of anxiety and stress mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis and realizing like, Oh wow. You know, every other strategy that I've tried to reduce that experience has basically been making it worse. Cause I just think mm-hmm. about like, how do I fix this or what's the right mantra to say, or, you know, why is it illogical to feel this way or whatever it is um, versus if I just get really present to what's happening right now in this exact moment, there's nothing to worry about in this exact moment in this conversation conversation with you. Like I, I'm not doing anything else. I'm just having a conversation with you. Uh, and it's what I have found is it's just helped me be so much more peaceful and at ease throughout the day. And mm-hmm. reason I bring that up was it also made me very conscious of how I use my phone and how I use social media. And, uh, you know, I would get to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm really, I'm going to practice presence today. I'm going to walk from my house to the train station and I'm going to see if I could be present the entire time. And then when I get on the train, I'm going to try and be present the entire time. And I would notice that I would want to go for my phone and it would be, it would almost be uncomfortable to stop myself from going for my phone and like trying to look at my phone. So it's so interesting, like this whole, uh, I don't know if addiction is the right word, but it's like this tendency towards just being distracted in every moment. And it's almost like this question of like, what what are you avoiding? <laughs> like, what are we avoiding by being you know, on our phone all the time or being on our computer all the time or, you know, using time distractors, you know, like you said. Yeah. How do you, how do you balance that with being intentional? So mm-hmm. let me, let me rephrase that. So it's a little bit more understandable. Um, because the way that I, the way that I hear it, the way that I see it is like, it's important to reflect on what happened from a growth perspective of like, there are lessons to be learned, but we don't want to dwell on it too much because then it will steal the present moment from us. Yep. So how do you balance that with being intentional of like, Hey, this is what I need to be doing now. Or, or maybe yeah. like, this is my, my time to reflect on what happened so that yeah. there's, we don't lose the growth opportunity. We won't make the same mistake over and over again. Like that's always what I've, what I've thought about. And, uh, I don't know the answer. I, I also haven't read the power of now it's sitting on my bookshelf. I probably should read it. Yeah. Dude, but, you should. Um, Big. I've, awesome. I've heard it's very, very good. Yeah. To your question, you know, I, it's interesting. I think I am definitely still in the middle of <laughs> trying to figure out what that would look like or how those two yeah. even, um, relate to each other. I mean, objectively or what my brain says is like, Oh, I would just be intentional about the time that I set aside to reflect and then be present, (laughs) you know, when I'm sitting there reflecting. Um, and at the same time, I think it's just how my brain works that I, (laughs) I just have this tendency to just 
could like constantly be distinguishing and constantly be reflecting and constantly be like, well, yeah. how, like, what am I noticing in this way? Or like, what are the patterns or whatever it is? So in some ways it's, I, I see it as a superpower because it's led me to be able to have these types of conversations for sure, be a more effective coach and learn more about myself. And, yeah. um, I think it also tends to get in my way, um, sometimes, but I think that that's just, I think that's just the human experience in a lot of ways. Yeah, because I totally see the side of like, oh, well, you're trying to over-engineer flow state or like whatever, insert keyword. And like, that's not how, just be present. I see that and I'm open to that being reality. But like, I also see the side of like, if we're not intentional, we're not going to create whatever it is that provides the abundance down the line. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting conversation for Between sure. Between those two, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of switching gears, but one of the things that I was really excited to talk to you about was the powerlifting and the weightlifting that you do. Okay. Yeah. I know we talked about that a little bit, um, you know, last, last time that we connected. Um, but uh, it seems like it's a big part of your life and what you're up to and, um, uh, you know, the things that you're doing. And so I'd be curious you know, like what are the gifts or the takeaways of the lessons that you've learned from powerlifting and weightlifting that you find are showing up in your business now? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I, I recently put a, I don't know, I took a break from powerlifting primarily because it was a big time investment and it was, um, I mean, I'm in the gym 12 to 15 hours a week and destroying my body like while I'm in there. And, you know, even if I'm up at four 30, so I could take care of my prioritize my own growth and like do my morning routine, then I can be at the gym by five 30 and then train and be out of the gym by eight 30 at the office by nine come afternoon time, no matter how much breathing exercises you do, no matter how many body weight exercises you do, like dude, your energy takes a cliff dive. And, um, that made it very, very difficult for me to grow the business the way that I wanted to. So Mm. uh, it was a tough decision because I loved that sport. I'm addicted to that competition. Mm. And for me, like I was a goalkeeper in soccer. So like I got a couple screws loose. I got the right (laughs) screws loose though. And that fits very, very well with it. Like Mm. just doing crazy stuff Mm. in the powerlifting world. So Mm -hmm. it was awesome. But for me, the reason I loved in a weird way, there were so many parallels with, with, uh, high performance and powerlifting. And honestly, it was a branding nightmare for a while mm-hmm. because people heard high performance. They thought powerlifting and they thought I was a fitness coach, which is just not true. Like I literally had a post that in all caps on Instagram, the first line was, I'm not a fitness coach. <laughs> and that was like the X emoji. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, it, we talked a lot about intentionality. We talked a lot about mindset. Like, dude, if you don't have the right mindset, when you have 400 pounds on your back, you're not getting back up with that weight. Mm -hmm. So it it makes it so important. Like Tony Robbins calls it like get in your state, right? Like make your move is his big thing. Um, Dude, if you're not in the right mental state and you hit the hole, you're not coming back up. Mm-hmm. So for me, it really prioritized both worlds, like the physical world. I've been in the gym for like 15 years because of athletics. I was a college soccer player. My whole life revolved around where I could play soccer. But it paired that with the mental part of, of business and, and of life and career that I loved so much. So mm-hmm. um, I honestly, like I don't know that it necessarily taught me lessons. I think that powerlifting was a great way to bring those lessons of that world to life and yeah. show the versatility of them, 
if that nice. makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Well, I hear the, uh, I, and, and I've definitely experienced this as well, but the idea of setting a goal, working toward that goal, the idea of focus mindset, like being just super clear about how you want to go into it, who you want to be about it, how you want to think about it, um, mm-hmm. which I think is super great. Um, the other thing too, and, um, I don't, you've probably, I'm sure that you've experienced this, but I'm realizing, you know, in my own development and also in my own um, like well-being, like taking care of myself as an entrepreneur and taking care of myself as a business owner, I've started to realize the importance of the physical aspect of it, like physically grounding myself into my body and how that helps with the anxiety too. Like it, it helps me be present and helps me feel grounded and centered. Um, so there's like definitely something to be said for like that physical component, um, yeah. you know, as far as like being productive as an entrepreneur and someone who started a business. Yeah, dude, it's, it's a time investment, right? Like at the end of the day, it's interesting when we're starting a business, there's two things we have to be super protective of our finances and our time. Right. And unfortunately fitness requires both. So oftentimes those are the things that get cut, mm-hmm. right? It's like, Oh, well, I can't rationalize that time investment because like I have a business to build or whatever it might be, instead of looking at it from a perspective of, dude, I invest this one hour in the morning and I'll get an extra three to four hours of productive time in my day mm. right, where I'll execute at maybe 70 or 80% as opposed to 30. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and over time, I remember like many, many years ago, I remember having the thought of like, are you buying time by working out? Right? Are you adding hours or at, not, not even hours? Are you adding years onto your peak window, like your window of peak performance of your life by investing this time in the gym? And I know the way that I described my break from powerlifting might sound counterintuitive to this, but that break was because I'm still in the gym, by the way. I'm just not competing. So I shifted my training because I wanted to enjoy it more instead of yep. just being sore all the time. But <laughs> For me, it was like, I need to shift because I'm not getting the business growth that I wanted. Um, but like, dude, it's, it's thinking about it as an investment rather than an expense, but it comes back to treating your body with respect. So it's I been, completely agree. Yeah. It's interesting. I've noticed in my own productivity and how I relate to results and create results. The thing that I realized, this is probably like two months ago. I was like, I have been addicted to overwhelm. Like I have literally been addicted to being overwhelmed hmm. as an entrepreneur, as a professional, as, as, you know, whatever it is. Um, and you know, there's a lot to be said around like the stories that I have and have had about myself and, um, what it means to start a business and who I'm supposed to be as an entrepreneur and those sorts of things. But yeah. it's been exactly what you just mentioned. Like I've been learning more recently, like, Oh wow. When I, stop overwhelming myself and take better care of myself and invest in my diet and my sleep and my, you know, physical health and going to the gym, like my ability to be productive and generate results in a much shorter period of time, like just skyrockets versus when I'm overwhelmed, I'm not sleeping well, I'm not eating very well. Like I can't be nearly as powerful with people on the phone or in person or when I'm connecting with people, like as a coach, like half of my power and impact as a coach is who I'm being. And a big part of who I'm being is how I'm showing up, which is directly dictated by how I take care of myself, my well-being structures, my support structures and all that. Dude, a hundred percent. And it's bigger than business, man. Like it's, 
it's so interesting. Most of my clients come to me because they're like, Hey, I want to scale faster. I want to make more money. I want to get more clients, like whatever it is. And that's great. And we'll do that. But then they're blown away when the breakthroughs happen in the life stuff, right? Like there's a reason we're creating this business, right? Like we're trying to provide something, whether it's opportunity for the people we love, like whatever it is, there's a reason for it. And that stuff gets impacted just as much as the way that you're showing up, right? Like it just, it just does. So I love that point. Thanks for pointing it out. Yeah. I'd be curious for you too, like outside of the physical piece, like how are you continuing to up-level your support structures and how you take care of yourself? From a, like a community perspective or just personally? Uh, I would both. Yeah. So from community, um, I would say, uh, I'm in at least one really high ticket mastermind, uh, where everyone involved invested at a, a serious level. So, uh, I mean, that's not like a flex. The point is like, everybody is heavily invested in your growth. So they're the type of people I want to be around vibing at a really high level, uh, really big goals, want to change the world through their businesses and not just make a bunch of money, but like make that money matter. Right. Uh, the group is called thrive connect, hence thrive, make money matter. My friend Cole and Sonia had to run that event. So I'm part of that community. Um, and then I'm just constantly trying to surround myself with really badass people through people I meet at events. We met through, uh, we were able to meet in person, which is awesome, but we met originally through someone I met at an event. So, that's one thing. Uh, but for me, like from a personal and like a physical level, um, just trying to make sure lately I've been really prioritizing sleep in a weird way. I've been geeking out about sleep. Yeah. I've been trying to find the balance of like really prioritizing it versus prioritizing it in alignment with the business growth and the discipline and all that sort of stuff. So there's times where it takes a backseat. Like I didn't, I was traveling back from California a couple of days ago. So my sleep isn't that great yet. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, I didn't get to sleep too early last night and I woke up at five to try and get mm-hmm. back in a routine. So there's mm-hmm. nights where it's not that great, but I've just been geeking out about it the last couple, couple of months. And I mean, listening, there's like this inner interview that Joe Rogan did with Dr. Matthew <laughs> I was Walker. just about to ask you about that. Dude, that'll <laughs> scare the crap out of you if you don't sleep well. Um, but it's important data to have. So uh, ever since that interview came out for anyone that hasn't watched that, like invest two hours of your time to go watch that. So uh, at least if you care about your health and your production and all that sort of stuff, like you're going to want to, inter- to watch that interview. But, um, that like really opened my eyes to it. I'm like, dang, I got to figure this sleep stuff out because it impacts everything. So you know, obviously the physical part and the nutrition, all that's important as well. And it's a big thing for me, but the sleep has been kind of the bigger focal point. I, that's, it's so funny with Joe Rogan. He has super long interviews, like two to three hour interviews. And so I don't normally listen the whole way through whatever, but I was glued and I sent it to a bunch of people because the kind of stuff that like the stats that he was sharing, like one stat that I would share with people is, you know, he was talking about during daylight savings, you know, when we lose an hour, heart attacks go up in, I think in the U S by about 25%. Yeah. And then in the fall, when we, uh, or when we gain an hour, they go down by a comparable amount, which is crazy yeah. that one hour of sleep can have that big of an impact. Um, mm. and I've, you know, it's, I've been talking about it a lot recently. Have you ever read the book Sapiens? No, but I've seen it everywhere. Okay. So I would highly suggest this book. 
incredible book. I probably talk about this book like multiple times a week and I read it like two years ago now. Um, cause it's just, it's just that profoundly, you know, shifted and altered how I think about people. But you know, if you think about, it's a brief history of homo sapiens as a species. So if you think about us as animals, right? Like we evolved over a period of time to function most effectively in a very particular way, which is in group, smaller groups on a very particular type of diet, which was not always available. So fasting was at, a part of you know how we evolved and how we evolved to eat. Um, same thing with sleep. Like we evolved to need seven to eight hours of sleep. Like that's not a mistake. Like that's just part of like what we need to be the you know the healthiest versions of ourselves. So I love yeah. the idea of like honoring those pieces, like honoring the amount of sleep that we need, honoring our nutritional needs, honoring honoring our social needs. Because I think once all those are taken care of, then you actually get the opportunity to play in the upper levels, which are the creativity and the creation and the manifestation and all that kind of stuff. But man, if you're not sleeping well, like it's so hard to be like really, truly productive. Completely agree. Completely mm-hmm. agree. And I think it's so interesting because that's one of those areas that it's almost like, especially in our world, like entrepreneurial world, it's almost glamorized to not sleep. It's like, dude, look, I, I only sleep four hours a night. Do you want it bad enough? Like I'm grinding harder than you, bro. <laughs> and um, it's the same in a weird way. I it's, it's very similar to me if, when people are like, yeah, I don't need to drink that much water. Like I'm good on two bottles. I'm like, they're like, Oh, my hair is good. My skin's good. My fingernails are strong. Like, I'm like, but the science shows that you should <laughs> like, I don't know. That's why I love that interview because it really shed a lot of light on dude. Again, it comes back to this. It's an investment of Mm -hmm. time Yep. and it's a freaking damn good investment. Yep. But Hey, teach their own, right? Exactly. I love that. Um, So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I notice in your email and I've noticed this a couple of times and been like, I need to ask him what that means. So hacking fear where did that come from? What does that mean to you? Yeah, dude, it stems back to the anxiety and the panic. So, uh, and I guess this results oriented, like achievement type uh, thinking. But when I was going through all of what I was going through, um, those attacks would set me on like two to three day funks. Like they were really, really bad. It would like kind of derail my productivity. And like, I would show up to work and I would be like, I would get my work done for the job that you know I had. And, um, but then I would come home and like my business that I was building at that time, my coaching and consulting was the third business I started while in corporate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I built it for about a year and a half before I took it full time. Mm-hmm. But the business I was building at the time completely tanked because I wasn't doing anything that was building it. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, at least I'll cling to personal development. Cause like I'm being productive, right? I'm getting some stuff done, but there was a point where I needed to get back so many pieces of my life that I had let go. Right. And I started to create this structure. I didn't know why it worked, but I would kind of bet against my future self. There's a practice called a reverse bet and I didn't understand it. But at the end of the day, it was just like a strategy that I would bring back everything that was important to me that I let go in any moment. And whether it was like leaving a past relationship and I was like investing all my time trying to fix it or, or revive it or whatever, not a great use of time, but um, like I would get away from meditation or personal development or my fitness or whatever it is 
Then I pivoted it over to the business world and I realized it did the same damn thing. Like results skyrocketed. And I blogged, I wrote a blog post about it on Medium at some point. In 12 weeks, I was able to post like 260 times on Instagram across various accounts, like 36 Facebook lives, 12 blog posts. Like it was crazy production for stuff that I wanted to prioritize at that point. Mm. I ended up getting connected with uh, some information that pointed as to why that worked. And, you know, it was stuff that I'd heard over and over again, but it stems back to this concept and this was really where the, the concept came from and actually creating fear hacking was when I dove off the cliff and literally like I was resisting the coaching industry for four years, met Brendan Burchard at an event, experienced his energy. I'm like, cool, high performance. I can get behind those words. Cause I had just a stigma around the industry yeah. to be honest, but like high performance, I can, I can vibe with that. Wrote this, this event or this entire curriculum on the flight home from that event. Wow. It was actually Summit nice. and, uh, many, many years ago. I think it was the second one that they did. Mm-hmm. But um, fear hacking in a nutshell is essentially decisions are emotional. They're not logical, right? And it, if we really boil it down super, super simplistically, it's seeking pleasure or avoiding pain. And avoiding pain is more powerful, right? And when we think of fear, what do you, what do you think about when you think of fear? Ooh, it's like a tightness in my chest. Uh, I get like really small. It's almost like tunnel vision uh, kind of thing. Total avoidance. It just puts me in all my, you know, self-defense and self All negative. Mm-hmm. All negative. Like a lot of people say public speaking, death, spiders, heights, the dark, right? All of these things that don't serve us. And in my head, I'm like, cool. Well, it's the most powerful source. I mean, Let's not blanket statement. One of the most powerful sources with respect to our decision-making process, our decisions lead to our results. Our results sculpt our reality. Right. Right. So why would we only get paralyzed by it? Why wouldn't we find a way to leverage it? So fear hacking is just simply a practice where we're manufacturing the situation that drives the decisions we know we need to be making. Mm. Like if we were to ask anyone listening to the show, like what, what do you think you need to do? We all typically know. And there's some way that we're rationalizing ourselves out of it or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. This is just a practice that we can bring that to the forefront faster. Mm. Because we know the answers. We yeah. just need to figure out what it, we need to drive that decision making. And literally, it's just figuring out how to manufacture situations to create that like false sense of fear so we can actually leverage it instead of just being like, uh, all of a sudden... For example, one time I wrote a $2,000 check to the Dallas Cowboys because I'm born and raised in New York, diehard Giants fan, literally grew up in Giants Stadium, and I hate the Cowboys. So I was like, cool, all of a sudden, seeking the pleasure of sitting on my couch and watching Netflix is no longer more powerful than the fear of losing $2,000 to, at the time, Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. It just wasn't. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I got off the couch, I pressed freaking live on Facebook and I did the damn thing that I said I was going to do because I knew that was what I needed to do to grow my business at the time. Mm. So long winded answer, but it's just a structure to do just that, mm. uh, drive the decisions we know we need to be making. Yeah, got it. So from what I hear, it's almost like putting yourself in a position where you've got, you're like choosing between the lesser of two evils in a sense, or like you're setting up these situations where it makes more sense to go out and do the thing that you've been avoiding versus some other manufactured scenario or 
exercise. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're driven by, by our environment, our ideas, our emotions. Let's just create it instead mm-hmm. and just be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. That's essentially yeah. the message. Love it, dude. Thanks for sharing that. For sure. So I know that you are recently, or you've recently created a, a new podcast, which is not your first podcast to your yeah. second or third, right? Um, the results engine. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what had you um, inspired to create it? Like what mm-hmm. the show's about? Yeah. So, uh, it's the second podcast. I, I had one a number of years ago, but I actually had to shelve it at the time of starting my coaching consulting company. And it was really, really unfortunate because I love connecting with people and it was just such a fun project. But back then I had so much going on. I was still in corporate and, um, I was investing a lot of money to just produce it and all that sort of stuff. And uh, not to mention the time. I felt like I was just going through the motions. So I shelved that project, but I always wanted to get back to it. And recently I finally, I, I felt like I was at a point where, you know, I was connecting with some badass people, having amazing conversations. And I wanted to just create, um, like we talked about before, like I wanted to create something where we're just having like authentic conversation with the people that we're looking up to and learning from on Instagram. I felt very blessed to be in, in, a conversation with these people. And I'm like, why don't we just record this and put it on the internet and uh, kind of empower people to think differently? Like, mm-hmm. man, there's so much fluff on the internet. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it just, it, it really is. And it played a huge role for me. I didn't realize that it was a highlight reel. And I thought I was looking at the blueprint to create what I had. And then when I inevitably hit the lows, I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, dude, life, the market, something will punch you in the throat. And if you don't know that other people go through it and kind of like are not privy to the conversations that people are having about how to get out of that, you're going to feel alone. It's like we talked about before society is like, it, it has the structure that it wants you to be in and you're fighting that battle on all fronts. And I wanted to just play my part in supporting people, not necessarily to think differently, but just empowering them to do so if they wanted. Yeah. And, uh, it's been really exciting, man. It's been a fun journey, been able to, to connect with and, and have some really, really amazing conversations and, uh, the growth has been amazing. So I, I can't, I, I'm just super blessed. That's awesome. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge you for doing that work out in the world. Um, that's so incredibly important, like providing people an opportunity to know that, um, if they do get into that low, low, or if they are struggling with whatever they're struggling with, like they're not the only person doing that. Um, it's just so nice to normalize. And I'm realizing, you know, more and more in all these conversations that I'm having and the coaching relationships that I have with people in the networking that I do, like every piece, everyone struggles with the same exact things. And the more, more than I learn about the things that other people are struggling with, like the more that I realize they show up for me and the more compassion I can give myself and vice versa. You know, the more that I start to give myself compassion for the things that I'm struggling with, the easier it then is to give other people that same sort of compassion or that same sort of not judgment. And I think in so many senses, like that's why we're here. <laughs> it's just like being with each other and, uh, you know, supporting each other. So yeah, thanks for doing that workout in the world, man. It's super duper important. Dude, a hundred percent. And you're so right. I think it's interesting. Like obviously each one of our journeys is, is unique and that's our, our superpower. But I think people cling to that in a negative sense and think that no one else goes through what they're going through. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's almost like this double-edged sword. It's like, 
this is how you support and change the world in your own way, but don't shift it this way or else it will yeah. cut you. And um, that's why I think these, like having shows like this and, and you as well, I want to throw the same thing back at you, man. Like this is awesome. And I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. And it's these conversations that help highlight that stuff. Like maybe someone's going through what I've been through. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like, dude, it, it just, yeah. I, some of the conversations I've had, like I'm blown away. Some of the most successful people I've ever been fortunate to connect with. And they have some of the craziest stories ever. And I'm like, dang, my stuff ain't so bad right now. And uh, like, it's just important to have those conversations, I think, and, and really help shed light on that because not everyone, what's how many people in the world, like eight something billion, not all 8 billion people are following that one individual on Instagram. They might not know their story, but yeah. they might resonate really powerfully. So when we have these conversations, we give them access to new, yeah. new audiences that can just radically shift things for people. Love that, man. Well, where can folks find out more about your podcast and you and the stuff that you're up to? Yeah, wherever they're listening to this, just type in the Results Engine Podcast. It'll be a nice red cover. Um, all, all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, all that stuff, Stitcher. Uh, but other than that, if there's anything I said that you have questions about, like, dude, slide in the DMs. I, I answer all my messages, uh, mainly Instagram at Mike Sesniak. You might have to link that because it's uh, got a lot of <laughs> Polish Z's in my name. But um, feel free to reach out. Happy to support however I can and get all questions answered. Awesome. And I'll also stick all your socials, any links that you want to share down in the show notes so folks can find you that way. Awesome. Um, so the two things that I like to do to end the show first is asking you for what's a piece of wisdom that you'll leave the listeners with to help them elevate themselves, their communities and the world. Mm. My number one life pillar is impact over income. Uh, I, I always believed it, but a book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann really helped bring that to life in a way that was way more eloquent than I probably could have. I've always been the numbers guy and and they put it very, very well. And that phrase is very simply, your income will always be directly proportional to the number of lives you touch in a positive way. And uh, yeah, it's just that one phrase shifted the game for me. And it's really that like servant leadership mindset that living a life of service. So that's super, super powerful. Bob is a great guy. I haven't been able to connect with John yet, but I was blessed to be able to interview Bob and nice. it was just such a cool conversation because that's my favorite book of all time. Nice. But that, that would be it. Cool. Let's check that out. Uh, awesome. And then the way that I like to wrap up these shows is with acknowledgement. So Mike, are you open to me acknowledging you? Dude, let's go. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, um, yeah, Mike, the first <laughs> word that came to me when I was thinking about acknowledgements for you was excellence. Let's like, go. You know, awesome. Like, you're just a walking, talking billboard for what it means to be excellent in all areas of your life. Um, and I also get that that comes from the struggles and the discomfort and the fears and the um you know, the not so pretty stuff. So thanks for being willing to choose in line with your commitments instead of circumstances. Like thanks for like choosing to see the lessons and the gifts in the things that have happened to you. Um, thanks for your focus and your commitment. Like every time I talk to you, I walk away being like, I gotta like, yeah, I gotta like step it up, man. Like I gotta be like, uh, you know, look at it. Like, how can I, how can I be more productive? How can I get more out of my day? How can I continue to focus on impact instead of, you know, just the money or the numbers or 
whatever it might be. Um, thanks for your authenticity and your openness. Um, like you're just a really genuine human. Um, so thanks for sharing that here. And thanks for sharing that, um, you know, with everybody else that you come into contact with. Um, thanks for your focus on service. Like I get that it comes from a genuine place of care um, and a very, very large heart uh, that you have. So thanks for sharing that with everybody. Um, and I think the, the last thing that I really want to acknowledge you for is like, thanks for being a man in this space, like in the coaching space. Um, because what I find is that it's not very common. It tends to be that most coaches and maybe it's different in the high performance world, but most coaches that I know are women. And so like it, I think it takes a, a special kind of person and a special kind of man to be able to step into this work and to be able to take a look at like, how can you get more in touch with what you're feeling, with your vulnerabilities, with your insecurities, because you know that what's on the other side of it is more of what you want. It's more of that excellence. It's more of the results. It's more of the experience of life that you want to create. Um, so thanks for, uh, yeah, dude, thanks for being a, a totally rad homie and a really cool dude. And thanks so much for being on this show. Dude, thank you so much. I appreciate those words. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, dude. Awesome. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.